the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Nice, slow, um, calm environment in the stock market. Just actually wishful thinking there. <laughs> uh, it's been kind of crazy, uh, which is, that's okay. You know, you, you kind of gotta have to expect this stuff. Markets are very volatile. This is a, an extremely volatile time of year. You know, you're talking about August and not sure why. Um, August, September tend to be pretty bad months for the uh, stock market in general, but uh, lots of different reasons for that. And, and I think a lot of those reasons are changing a little bit as most things in the market. Are you, uh, if you're really concerned, I, I, you know, I'm not sure I would be. I just don't think that it's all that bad, actually. I think that uh, you've got problems. There's definitely a lot of problems with trade right now that you know it's mostly rhetoric and a lot of talk when you look at the actual economic impact that these tariffs would have it's not that significant but what it is is psychologically it's alarming to people psychologically they're getting upset you know people don't like surprises investors particularly are unfond of surprises and so you shock somebody with something and they respond particularly when there's money on the line. So one of the things I like about this current market is how low the valuations on stocks are. Actually, they're right around where they should be. There's not, it's not higher. It's not much lower. They're right around where they should be. Uh, certain areas are, are actually more undervalued than others. So that's kind of neat. Technology is actually done extremely well and still doing well. Probably going to continue to do well. And uh, why? Because, you know, that's basically the story of the entire world you know, for the past couple hundred years. New technology comes out and we make a leap. Things get easier. I promise you, things are easier today than they were in 1776. I promise you. And you know why? Technology. <laughs> technology has made our lives so much easier. And it's going to continue to do so. We're on a the brink of a major shift in the way that we do things. If you think about it, how major of a shift was it going from a horse and buggy to an automobile? Big shift, right? How, how significant was it 
to go from canals, where the mule might walk a couple miles an hour, to a train. Pretty significant. It propelled us ahead. It created jobs. That's where we are. That's where we are now. The next phase is significant. The stuff that's coming out from technology is mind-boggling, and it's pretty good. I like it. Wouldn't be really. I, w- I really wouldn't be too concerned about what's going on right now uh, in the stock market. If you are concerned, you probably have too heavy of an allocation in stocks for your profile. And I've talked a lot about this on, on all my shows. And, you know, there's a risk profile. There's the risk that you probably need to be taking. There's a risk that you are taking. Uh, and, uh, oftentimes those things are not the same. But then, you know, there's actually the risk that you can tolerate. And sometimes where I find people have uh, the most difficulties when when they need to take a little more risk than they're comfortable with, well, that's a tough one. That is tough. If you have to take more risk than you're comfortable taking to try to maintain your lifestyle, you're just not going to be very comfortable. My suggestion in most cases is that you try to uh, stay true to your lifestyle and just dial down the risk. You, you may have to cut back. Nobody wants to hear that, but you know that in some cases that's the reality. Uh, in a lot of cases, though, you know people are fine; they're just fine. If you're fine with stocks that fluctuate, you know they fluctuate kind of a lot, like a lot. You'll hear the standard fluctuation. I've, I've seen that term thrown about now by some of the bigger financial institutions instead of standard deviation because I knew people didn't know what that meant, so they said. Standard fluctuation of the stock market's about 16% a year. That's, that's academically and mathematically, that's true. It's a little misleading, I think, because people interpret that as, as meaning, well, the stock market's only going to be down 16%. Mm, that's actually not what that means. That's really not what it means. What it means is that from the long term average, somewhere between 8 and 10%, depending on the period that you're looking at, Stocks will normally fluctuate around 16% around that average. So you're really only talking about a minus 8% and a uh, 16% plus 8% is 24%. So you're talking about up 24 or down 8. And two-thirds of the time, it'll be within that range somewhere. Isn't that really helpful? (laughs) I'm teasing. Kind of. Um. (laughs) <laughs> by the way, it'll stay within the, those ranges. It'll be either minus 8 or plus 24 about two-thirds of the time. Boy, is that helpful, right? Yeah. But see, they don't want to tell you that because they know you're looking for a hard answer. So they say, well, the average is 16. Yeah, okay. 16% away from the long-term average. Long-term average is, like I said, it's between 8 and 10%. It, that That depends on the period that you're looking at. So anyway... It's hard to get used to a lot of fluctuation. If you're going to have a total return of more than 4% a year, you're going to have to take some risk. I mean, and most people look at the amount of risk that they have to take if they are familiar with the kind of risk that they're going to have to take and they go, wow, that's a lot of risk for a 4% return. Yeah, your alternative is less than 2% on a CD. 
And uh, I think there might be a couple CDs out there paying 2%. But there's nothing that's quote-unquote safe that's paying more than 2% right now. You can't get a... Boy, that, I can't believe I just sounded like George Bush. <laughs> 2% right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of. But the, uh, anyway, if you go and look, you know, to get more than a uh, 2% return from something that's safe, it's just that it doesn't exist. It's not out there. If you're getting more than 2%, there's risk involved. There's got to be risk involved because the safe stuff, that's basically all they're paying. In fact, let me go to the Wall Street Journal. And, oh, no. They, they, you know, they are constantly changing their website around. What is the matter with these people? Yeah, <laughs> I know what's the matter with them, actually. They, they need to get you to, to move around on the website so that they can maximize the data they get for, uh, you know, charging. Uh, they charge based on the views. And yeah, I won't even get into that right now. <laughs> but bottom line is uh, uh, you got a market data section on Wall Street Journal. And it'll show you a lot of different stuff where interest rates are. And now that I go to the market's data, that's that's been changed. I have to click on the bonds now. So the 30-year bond is paying 2%. The 10 years, 1.5. The one month treasury bill is 2%. Now, this is what people are talking about when they see inverted yield curve and how that's been a big, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had people calling and asking about the inverted yield curve because that's, you know, it's been in the news quite a bit and that's fine. So inverted means normally the longer that you hold something, the more interest you get paid for agreeing to leave your money invested for a longer time period. So when they're paying you more on a one-month treasury bill, which now is paying 2%, then they're paying you uh, to have a 10-year treasury note, which is 1.5%. That's called an inverted yield curve. You're getting more for the short than you are for the longer time period. Yeah. It's not supposed to be that way normally. Normally, you're supposed to get less money because you're not tying your money up for quite as long. And you've got all these people coming out and saying, yep, that, that, that's going to lead to recession every time that's happened. Well, let me tell you something. That actually stayed that way for more than a year, more than one time, with no recession. So the accuracy of that's not very good. It's just not a very good indicator. So... And unfortunately, recessions are really difficult to predict. I think it's, I forgot who it was that said it, but um, anyway, and I changed it around anyway. Economists have correctly predicted nine of the last two recessions. <laughs> so they're always, somebody's always talking about a recession coming. You know, and if you keep saying that, it's kind of like a broken clock. You wait long enough and it'll be right. And uh, recessions are part of the, the normal activity of the stock of, of an economy actually. And I would be really worried if stocks were significantly overvalued. I'd be really worried if banks were coming back in, uh, banks were talking about their having to increase their loan loss provisions. That's a problem. It hasn't been appearing yet. That stuff hasn't shown up yet. Will it? I don't know. Yeah, and quite frankly, neither do the banks. If if they knew that their some of their loans were going to go bad, they would not have made the loans. Well, think about that. It's common sense. How else would you know? <laughs> I mean, why would you do that? I, I might can think of some people who maybe there's a a plot to 
get rid of a bag. I'm just kidding. The uh, So the loan officers all get together and say, we really don't like this CEO. <laughs> I'm sure that never happened, by the way. But uh, anyway, it's kind of funny to think about. So when you're looking at 30-year bonds paying 2%, one-month bonds, bills, treasury bills, you know what the difference between a bill and a, and a bond is? It's a, uh, the length of time. Okay, So uh, a bill, one-month bill, 2%, it's actually point two point zero six. A 30-year is only paying 2.02. The 10-year, so this is actually a, uh, it's funny, it's a, uh, it's like a big wave or actually a bowl. The short-term interest rates are higher, then they go down. The lowest um, shorter-term interest rate looks like it's about 1.416, the five-year. The 10-year is 1.5 and the 30-year is 2.02. So the 30-year is actually less than the one month. And that's what they mean by inverted yield curve. The, the shorter-term bonds are actually paying slightly more than the higher-term bonds are. And it's supposed to be the other way around. So not a really good indicator. Um, you know, by the way, I forgot to uh, tell everybody, you can. Uh, we have a seminar coming up here shortly. We're going to be talking about this type of thing, uh, the trade disputes, what kind of impact they will really have long-term on your investments, and um, um, what you can do about fluctuating stock prices without hurting yourself. There are things you can do. The main thing is to kind of understand that stocks fluctuate a lot. They always have. They always will. So try to keep your exposure down. I'm going to show you a couple of ideas that you can use to when you're rebalancing your portfolios. Basically, general rules of thumb that, that we use at Bullington Capital. And there's no cost to attend. Seating is limited. Uh, we're holding this at the Corporate College East. If you, know where, if you don't know where that is, you can actually, there's a... Uh, when you sign up, I think they bring you to a map to it. But it can, and if you can't, I've got the address right there. You can just Google it. So feel free. That's Bullington Capital Management if you want to sign up for that. That's going to be uh, Thursday, September 12th. It's going to be 630. And, uh, you know, we'll take a look at it. Trade disputes are, are things that you're going to have from time to time. And they do have an impact. Uh, the impact, I don't think, is is probably all that well understood, mainly because it can't be. They've, they're never done the same way. Uh, trade disputes have, I, I've never seen two trade disputes handled in the exact same manner, ever. So maybe I'm wrong. <clears throat> maybe some there are, there are some that are out there. But they always have slightly different impact. The impacts potentially should be that, the consumer ends up paying higher prices. If it escalates too far out of control, prices can go up a lot. If prices go up a lot, that's hard. That's really hard on stocks because they're, the cost of, of materials goes up if you're importing materials. I'm pretty sure we don't import a lot of materials from China. I'm sure China imports their net uh, importer for materials and they export a lot of finished goods. Yeah, but... Uh, Anyway, we're going to take a really good look at that deep dive. What kind of things can you do? What kinds of investments in that environment uh, have a tendency not to drop quite as much? That can be a big deal. We try to construct portfolios based on that, by the way. We're trying to, it's not necessarily the highest returns, and they won't be 
um, because we're look, being defensive with it. Uh, you're trying to locate higher quality stuff, so that makes a big difference. There are certain factors that over time have a tendency to make a big difference in how your stocks will perform, your stock funds. And by the way, this is all, it, what's interesting about this is it's really changed. Over the last few years, it, a whole lot of stuff has changed. Um, some things that used to work really well, they still work. They just don't work quite as well as they used to. And some things that didn't work well at all work a whole lot better than they did. And that blows my mind. I'm, uh, I'm happy about it, actually, because it, the sad part is it takes you a while to adjust because you don't know that it's going on until you've got enough proof, which means that something's outperformed for a while that hasn't performed as well in the past. And then something that had performed well is lagging a little bit. It's not like you're losing money. You're just not making quite as much money. And that you don't figure that out until it's it's already started happening. They, nobody sends you a crystal ball that works from Amazon. Just kidding about Amazon. They don't have crystal balls that work. <laughs> but nobody sends you a crystal ball that work that allows you to project what's going to happen in the future. And I, I think one of the uh, um, things I've learned over the, over the years, and I've known this for a long time, it's to kind of stay present, think about what's happening right now, Try not to predict what's going to happen. Don't worry about what's happened in the past. Just pay attention to what's happening right now. Take a look at how your portfolios are broken down. What kind of investments do you have? How do they perform in a tough environment? You know, Because they don't all perform the same. If you're looking at momentum investing, momentum typically performs better when you're into the expansionary periods, which are typically two or three years after the market's bottom which means that when the market's bottoming, when it's going down, forming a bottom, those things are going to get whacked. And we'll have to figure that out or figure out why when we come back from these commercial messages. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. On the side of the road where a mother lost a son, how could she know that the morning he left would be the last time she'd trade with him for a little more time? She could say she loved him one last time. Direct.com. And we are back. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Feel free to call us if you have any questions or comments. Uh, 216-901-0945. Also go to my website if you want to sign up for that seminar or just set up a get-to-know-you meeting. If you've got questions, uh, you just want to talk about your investments or you've got a, some financial planning you want to discuss, feel free. Do the very best we can. I have been getting inundated with calls this week, <laughs> as you can imagine, with the uh, markets dropping the way they have. And uh, you know what? What's really interesting is after you get used to it for a while, when you really look at it closely – and you study it, you go back a few years, you look at this stuff and you're like, well, yeah, that's, it's not out of the ordinary. And it's only out of the ordinary to people that have never seen it before, or maybe, you know, they weren't paying that close attention. Uh, and those are, you know, very good reasons because most people have normal lives, you know, <laughs> this is not what they do all day, every day. 
And uh, at some point in time, though, people have a tendency to uh, start to pay attention. And then they start to learn some things that they didn't know before. They were happening, but it's, it's new to them. And then it becomes very disturbing and upsetting. And if you watch too much of the news, that's going to be really upsetting. Yeah, the actual news that it's going to move markets typically comes out kind of unexpectedly. And oftentimes the market will move in an opposite direction that you thought it was supposed to. So that's something that you get used to when you've been doing it for a long time. And you learn not to rely on the expectations that you develop by listening to the news. And so I think that's interesting. And I know the novices go, well, if you're not going to rely on your expectations, then what do you rely on? Well, you got to go back and, and rely on the math and the research that you've done in the past. Yes, this is, this is not new. In fact, what's really fascinating is if you look at the S&P 500 and you go back, look at a chart, it broke to a new high in September of last year, right before selling off about 20%. So it breaks to a new all-time high, and then it rewards everybody for getting in by dropping 20% in a few weeks. Woohoo! <laughs> That's fun, isn't it? So the expectations when you go to a new high is a lot of people think, well, this is it. It's going to go higher. And then it turns around and gives you a black eye. And it recovers over the next few months and it recovered in almost the same time that it took to go down, which I thought was pretty interesting. It's pretty symmetrical, the decline and the recovery. It's that's a little unusual. Anyway, makes another new high, turns around and drops about 10% from peak to trough. Let's see. I'll tell you exactly what it was. Let's take it back. It was about 8%. So uh, actually, it's just a little over seven. So that's what you get for breaking out to a new high, getting everybody excited, turns around and drops 7% in about uh, eight weeks. Woohoo. Then it bottoms from there, turns around, takes off, and makes another new high. And by the way, these new highs are not very far away from the old new high. And it looks like we're in the correction process now of that last rally. So... It's pretty funny, I think, because, uh, you know what, I, I know, man, it's, I, I guess funny is a bad word. It's uh, expected. I expect that, you know, and if you've been in stocks for any length of time, you have to learn how to expect the unexpected. And the reason I spend so much time, by the way, talking about stocks is what that when you look at interest rates and you see how low interest rates are. And how difficult it would be to be able to live off of something that's got a guarantee. You can get a a CD that's paying around 2% right now. That's taxable income. It's taxed at your highest marginal rate, by the way. So 2% on $100,000 is only $2,000. 2% on a million dollars is only 20,000 bucks. Now think about what I said. 2%. On a million dollars, there's only $20,000. That's not a lot of dough. By the way, you have to pay tax on that. And depending on the tax bracket that you're in, you know, it's going to be, oh, could be 4000 bucks, 
So now you've only got $16,000 after taxes. If you're in a high bracket, let's see, 16000 divided by 12, that's $1,300 a month. 1300 bucks a month if you're putting all your money in a short-term CD and you've got a million dollars. By the way, to, to spend more than $1,300 a month means that you're going to have to spend principal. So that's why I'm, I've been spending most of my time over the last couple of years talking about stocks because I don't think you have a choice. I think if you're going to have a return that's higher than 4%, the 4% is pretty tough actually in these days. The, um, but if you're going to have that return, you're going to have to invest some of the money that you have in some sort of stock funds. And they just think that's the only one of the only options that you have. So, you know, I see the phones lighting up a little bit. Hey, uh, if you'd like to call us, the number is 216-901-0945. And I'm going to go right to Mike. Mike, you have any uh, a comment or a question? Bill, good morning. How you doing? Good. Good. Um, negative yield. Right. I think Germany floated a 30-year bond this week, and people actually bought it knowing that they were paying, I guess, to store their money. Right. Uh, and I want to parlay that into what you were just going over. If inflation, if in fact inflation in the United States is 2%, and you have 2% for a 30-year or a 10-year bond, and you're paying taxes netting maybe 120 or 140 Aren't we kind of? Aren't you accepting a negative return for that ten-year period of time as well? Already here in the United States. Yes, you are. <laughs> Very astute of you to point that out. Uh, I think a lot of people don't think about that. I know they don't think about it. You know, I'll ask people at seminars. I don't do this anymore, but I used to ask people to raise their hand if they'd rather see fifteen percent inflation or for five years or see their money cut in half and everybody raises their hand. I'd rather see 15% inflation. Okay. I'd say, okay, 15% over five years. You realize you are in the exact same shape. <laughs> yeah. If prices yeah. double and your money doesn't keep up with that, even if it, uh, yeah, if your prices double and your money doesn't keep up with that, or if your, your assets get cut in half because you've had a you know, stock market crash, you're actually you're actually in the same boat, so that that's a uh, very astute of you to bring that that point up. Yeah, you, there's a negative yield, a uh, negative real yield. That real means adjusted for inflation. So right. when you're hearing these guys talk on television or you read an article in the journal and they're talking about real rates of return, they mean inflation adjusted. So the inflation adjusted returns have been negative for quite a while uh, in the United States. I'm not a big believer in CPI. Uh, consumer price index. I think prices have actually been going up faster than that uh, than the CPI. The CPI is a government statistic, and if you owed twenty trillion dollars and got to set your own interest rates, what would you do? <laughs> I'm, I'm, so real, real, one other quick question here, just uh, and I know that you're in the business, and I'll formulate the question carefully. Do you think the the bond trade at this point, if you're buying fixed income, if you're buying a ten or a thirty year bond do you think it is a crowded trade oh i i I can't imagine that sometime over the next 20 years that interest rates are still negative now maybe they will be i could be wrong 
but I just can't imagine things getting somewhat back to some sort of normalcy. Uh, and when when that starts to happen, when you know those those bonds are going to drop like rocks. I mean, nobody nobody's going to yeah. want them. Maybe China will. I don't know, but um, <laughs> China will take every. And, you, and I don't know if your general audience knows if interest rates went from two to just three percent on a thirty-year bond. What happens to the ten thousand dollars hypothetically that you just bought a thirty-year bond with at two uh, percent from the treasury? Yeah. What happens to the value? Can yes. You maybe expand on that, and I'm gonna let you go. And you have a great show, and I appreciate your time. Oh, thanks. Thanks for calling, Mike. Yeah. So, what would happen if if interest rates on a long year, uh, long term bond were to go up by one percent? You would see a fifteen percent, roughly. You should see a fifteen percent decline. Now, having said that, that's how the math works. You know. So, if you put ten thousand bucks in there, it's a thirty year bond. It was guaranteed by the United States government. But if you try to sell it, they're only going to give you eighty five hundred bucks. Okay, you can sell it, but you're only going to get eighty five hundred dollars. You paid ten thousand for it. Let's let's add some zeros to that. If you paid a hundred thousand for it, you're only going to get eighty five thousand. If you paid a million dollars for it, you're only going to get eight hundred fifty thousand. So that's one hundred fifty thousand bucks. Okay, so but that's if it works the way it's supposed to work mathematically. What's been nuts is that there have been countries. For a long time, they'll come in and pay more than they should, so the bond prices have been actually slightly more stable than they should have been. Because when you're looking around the world, right now, according to what I just looked up on uh, Google, <laughs> I'll have to go back in and make sure that I uh, uh, double-check this. Anyway, in Germany, the bonds... 10-year bonds are a minus 0.69%. That's not supposed to happen. Okay? Belgium, France, the Netherlands, Denmark, Sweden, and Spain all have negative yields on government bonds. They're essentially charging the public to hang on to their money for them. That's what they're doing. They're charging the public to hang on to their money for them. This is a, uh, when people say it's different this time, they have no idea. It is really different this time for governments to charge you to hang on to your money instead of paying you interest on for borrowing your money <laughs> is a wow, you know, it's not expected. So, and this is where I think when you're looking out there at the, at the seminar, I have, I'm going to have a special list. Of, of funds for people who are focusing their stock-based funds, who are focusing on companies with quality dividends, not just a dividend, but a quality dividend. And the yields are higher than the yields on bonds. Okay. We're going to, I'm going to give you a couple of ideas for free. You don't owe me anything for that. Just sign up, show up. And you didn't even have to come in, go to the seminar. You could actually call and set an appointment if you'd like. I will tell you, my schedule's been filling up since the market's been fluctuating like this. <laughs> I can only see a certain number of people a day, and uh, I do have a lot. But you can always come to that workshop. You can uh, call in and set up an appointment to come in and, and talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I know it's probably weighing heavily on your minds. But uh, by the way, you can also call in here today, 216-901-0945, just like Matt did. I'm going to go right to the phones. Hey, Matt, how are you doing? Hey, Bill, how you doing? Pretty good. Can you? 
So I don't know if you can maybe go into explaining a little bit more about investing in bonds. And I, I'm as of now, I'm still kind of blessed. I'm a government employee, and so at some point I will have a pension until the government screws that one up. Oh, you'll, um, you'll always so, have a pension, by the way, because they control this thing called the money supply. <laughs> yeah, and they can literally print money and pay the bills. Now that would be horribly inflationary, um, but it yeah. would be better than the alternative. But so you, right. you'll never be out of money. Well, that's well. So that's so I've kind of looked at that as kind of my you know conservative monthly yes. payment, you know. And whereas with my other investments, I've been a little more aggressive for better long term growth. But mm-hmm. you know, the problem is with what's been going on with the bonds. I've kind of looked at it like, well, I'd rather you know generate income from even you know a low CD or like closed end funds or, or writing covered calls or stuff like MLPs to generate a little more income than to even waste time with bonds. And I, I don't know if you can weigh in. Yeah, on that's actually on that. one of the reasons I'm, uh, I was just bringing this other topic up. There are a lot of alternatives, uh, that, you know, income generating <laughs> ideas, um, that you can use a lot of, uh, there are a lot of dividend paying stock funds that use some um, math to select the stocks that I really like a lot. I, mean, I like it a lot. Right. Makes a lot of sense. And one of the, uh, and thing- I remember, Oh, I'm sorry, I was oh, just saying, I remember being at one of your events at uh, corporate college and you, you talked about the dividend paying right. uh, your fund, you know, like the top 50 dividend paying. And when, when things got out of whack or funky, you, you realigned it. So yeah, now the, there have been uh, that strategy. By the way, has been knocked off so many times. Yeah, <laughs> there are so many. Th- so it's actually a little easier. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because when a fund is doing that on your behalf, okay, you don't see the stocks that are moving. Stocks are still stocks. They're extremely volatile. Even volatile. the ones that pay dividends. Yeah. When, Correct. When you see that, it it it's a little disturbing for a lot of people. Uh, and when you're owning those stocks yourself and you rebalance the portfolio, you have to report all those transactions, all those little, you know, the capital gains that you're making, uh, you offset against losses, but the, um, you have to report everything and it makes your tax return a lot longer. So now right. that, now that there are funds that are doing the identical thing, some of them are exactly identical, uh, but some of them are adding some other attributes I really like a lot. Like the companies have to be have to maintain a certain level of profitability. That makes perfect sense to me. And uh, so there are there there are a lot of them out there now, and you can put together some pretty good models for your, your portfolios. I've got them. I, I called it my Department of Labor model because they came out with these rules a couple of years ago and said, "Hey, you guys have better adhere to these rules." And then uh, then they didn't publish the rules for you know several months. And and if you don't follow the rules, we're like, well, well, can we see the rules? <laughs> right. And then when they finally came out with something, about eighteen months later, they changed it. <laughs> or they dropped it. But hey, man, I got to take a real quick commercial break. You can either hang on, or uh, um, I'll just probably see you at the seminar. Okay, thanks, Bill. All right, have a good day. And hey, you're listening to Bill Bullington. Stay tuned. I'll be right back.
Well, welcome back. This is the final segment of today's Lincoln Capital Report. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. And feel free to reach out to my website if you'd like to get in touch with me. It's BullingtonCapital.com. I'm going to spend the next few minutes talking about a service I've been talking about for probably years now. And um, we're finally getting it out there. It's, it's interesting because we've gone so, through so many iterations and uh, so many setbacks. Um, government regulations forcing me to stop and recalculate everything I do in my business and then having them change them three times in 18 months. <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> That's the one thing I will say about this administration. They kind of just left everything alone. <laughs> they, they really didn't get involved. But uh, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, I don't know. Uh, last 18 months, well, actually last uh, two years, they stopped uh, about two years ago. Uh, they stopped a lot of the activity that was going on. So it's made it a little easier. And what I uh, am going to be doing, it's called, the website's going to be Look Out for the Bullets website. There's a specific style of investment management. You know, there there are actually lots of different styles. This is very specific. It's called Momentum Investing. And that's what the website's going to be dedicated to, Momentum Investors. What is Momentum Investing? Well, Momentum Investing is looking at price movement as one of the leading indicators, so to speak, uh, that we're going to be paying attention to. So we're going to look at price movement more so than things like sales and profit margins, that kind of thing. That's a, that's more of a value-oriented approach. Uh, one of the reasons I'm telling you not to do this with, I'm sorry, one of the reasons I, I describe this as a particular style because that's what it is. It's one style. It's not really suitable for everything that you do. Uh, it, maybe if you're 20, you're really young, you don't have a whole lot of debt, um, you got a lot of time on your hands, then yeah, you could do the momentum thing with all your money. Um, you'd be taking a lot more risk. I want to teach you how to handle the risk on the website. It's actually a lot easier than you think it is. It's, it's significantly easier, especially today. You know, a small investor does have an edge that doesn't guarantee that you're going to be successful doing this. It just means you have an edge and your edge is speed. You can move faster than a big mutual fund can or a hedge fund, or an exchange-traded fund for that matter. Like the exchange-traded funds, they just move whenever they're told to because they're being run by a mathematical model. But that being said, you have a little advantage. I'm going to show you how to, to, to take advantage of that. Um, it's not easy. It is simple. Big difference between simple and easy. In fact, I'll give you the, uh, the highlights right now. The bottom line is if you want to make money in stocks relatively soon, you want to be looking at stocks that are going up really fast right now. Does that make sense? If you were going to make, if you're going to try to make money quickly in stocks, wouldn't you want to go to those stocks that are going up right now? Why would you want to be looking at stocks that are going down or getting crushed right now? I'll tell you why. Because you're a novice. Because you don't know that. If you want to make money sooner rather than later, you should focus on those stocks that are going up right now. That's a big revelation for a lot of people. Huge revelation. So I'm just going to leave that alone. That's the first thing you do. And I call it fishing in the right pond. You know, if, you, if your uh, goal is to catch a whole lot of fish and 
you see 10 ponds out there that a farmer owns, you maybe want to talk to the farmer and ask him which one he puts the most feed in. <laughs> or uh, if he stocked one of those ponds more than the others. So we're just fishing in the right pond. Basically, we're going with stocks that are, that are moving up quickly right now. The next thing we're going to do is learn how to manage the risk. And that's the most important part of this whole thing. And actually, I would say any strategy that you're using, you got to learn how to manage the risk. And it's not that complicated. It really isn't. Having said that, I think, you know, there are a lot of challenges psychologically. I'm not even going to beleaguer those points because it's, it doesn't make sense to do that. I've been doing this for so long that I've noticed that people have a tendency either to get this right away or they just don't get it and they never get it. Uh, now you could be one of the few. I didn't get it at first, but I had to get my head beat in, in the stock market and go, man, I, you know, I am doing this wrong. I can't, this cannot be right. So I've, I, I was so determined that it opened my mind and let me listen to what I've been talking about and using since then. Now, I don't, I do this with slightly less than 20% of my money. Think about that. Slightly less than 20% of your money. So I'm going to recommend that you do the same thing. And I'm going to leave that subject right there and just go into a lot of the stocks that I saw come up on the scans uh, yesterday. Because yesterday was a tough day for the S&P 500, if you didn't, if you weren't watching. In fact, over the past, oh, couple weeks, you know, market's down, well, probably, hang on, I'll tell you exactly what it's down, or not the market, but the S&P 500. All right, it's, it's down about 6%. Just in the last, last two weeks, it's down about 6%. So it's been a pretty tough environment. I still run the scans because some stocks may actually buck the trend. They're typically not that many. But when I ran the scan yesterday, there was a clear sector that was bucking the trend. And those are gold stocks. Gold stocks were bucking the trend yesterday. Now, a lot of those gold stocks have been in pretty good trend for a few months now. So that's interesting. And a lot of them are up, you know, 40, 50% over the past four or five months. That, that that's pretty interesting. So what do I make from that? Well, personally, my observation is that there's a lot of fear. When there's a lot of fear in markets, people have a tendency to buy gold stocks. They just do. Why? Well, because I, I think it's a, some people see it as a place to hide out. Um, maybe gold won't be as affected by all this. Maybe the, a lot of the things that are happening are inflationary, and they are, by the way. When you're doing tariffs, you know, countries are fighting over tariffs. You know who gets to pay for that bill, for that argument? The consumers. So you start throwing taxes on top of items that are coming into the country that you're importing. Guess who gets to pay those taxes? You know, a consumer. Manufacturer's not going to take that on the chin. Are you kidding me? <laughs> if I were a manufacturer, I'm not taking that on the chin. I would say, you know, I'm sorry, but your government decided to tax my goods. So this is the new price. And that hint of uh, fear gets these stocks rocking. I mean, I go down the list. Uh, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, Agnico, Eagle Mines, the symbol is AEM. I've, been, I've seen that stock for years. 
First Majestic Silver AG, that came up on the scan. Alamos Gold, that came up on the scan. Those are the first three stocks. Yamana Gold, that's the first four stocks. First four stocks that come up on the scan, they're all gold stocks. And by the way, they look like technology stocks breaking out of bases, a lot of them, which if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. We'll talk a little bit about it at that upcoming seminar. Uh, to Gold Cord, don't know who they are. Carbon Black was actually a, a stock, a technology stock that came up on the list that I had purchased uh, the day before. It's pretty interesting. It gapped up and closed at its high of the day, 6.33% in one day. Sweet. The uh, Anyway, Core Mining, another gold stock. Uh, Cartolytics, not sure what they do, but I think I, if I were to guess based on the name of the company, it's probably something to do with payment systems. Sprott Physical Gold and Silver Trust, CEF. Eldorado, do you realize there's only been two companies out of the first 10 stocks that weren't gold stocks? <laughs> Does that tell you anything about gold? I don't, you know, is, is it going to keep going? I don't know. See, that's part of the Look Out for the Bull website. We're going to teach you how to identify what's happening right now. That's a big, that's a big leg up, okay, but it's not a guarantee. You still have to manage your risk. Would I put all of my portfolio in gold stocks, buy all gold? I would never do that. I don't think that's safe. But would I buy a couple of them? I might. I have a tough time. I, I will I will tell you. I have a tough time. Eldorado Gold Corporation, I think, is a uh, probably one I might. It, that would be the next one on the list. I look at the price-to-sales ratio. That must be a publicly, uh, yeah, I, I think they actually produce. I'll have to go back and look. I haven't read about that company a really long time. I see it come up all the time. But if I'm going to buy something, probably one or two stocks uh, because I need to manage the risk. And that's what I'm really most concerned about is managing risk. Now that I hear the uh, music, boy, I didn't get as far as I wanted to in that segment. So we'll pick it back up next week. You can always give me a call in the office or go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.